Radio.fm presents the Amped Interview. Hello there and good day to everybody. Hope you're enjoying your summer. Of course, this is Joe over at Frequency. I wanted to give you a quick introduction before we jump right into the interview. Uh, Today, we are actually speaking to the editor and photographer behind the book, The Beauty of Grace. Her name is Dawn Camp, and we spoke to her back in early March of this year. Normally, we turn around an interview more quickly than this, unless, of course, it was Gabriel Allred and we needed all that time for editing. In this case, we recorded the interview. We had a great time chatting, but when I sat down to start the edit of the interview, I discovered that for some unknown reason, about every 30 seconds in the audio, three seconds on Don's side would drop out. Well, that made kind of a logistical challenge for me from an editing standpoint, because occasionally there were moments in there that I really wish we had captured. Um, But I did the best job I could. I think it's almost seamless. You probably wouldn't know if I wouldn't have told you. uh, Pulling the uh, interview back together, um, even though we were missing you know, those three-second blurbs throughout. You shouldn't really notice it very much, but it did take a lot of time. So I'm extending apologies to Don because normally we would have turned this around and had this out in March to to share the book with folks. But I I hope you guys take a few minutes, um, listen to the conversation. Don is a, a stunning photographer. She's got a great sense of humor. And the book, The Beauty of Grace, is really a gorgeous book. And you'll hear me allude to that in the interview. It, it's beautiful both in terms of the presentation and also in terms of its writing. So stick around for a little bit, listen to what Don has to say, and make sure that you pick up her book. And oh, by the way, before we run right over to the interview, one more thing I want to say. Um, we're teaming up a little bit this year with the International Songwriting Competition. They have a Christian songwriting category. And we're going to do a little giveaway that I'll tell you more about on the other side. But for now, let's get to that conversation with Don Camp. This is Joe Brookhouse at Frequency. We want to welcome you to another Amped interview. We've got a guest today coming all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, where they're uh, apparently experiencing some possessed weather down there. Um, <laughs> 70 degrees yesterday and now um, ice warnings today. That's according to uh, our our guest, Don Camp, photographer and writer. And um, she's here to talk to us uh, about a book that was just released, The Beauty of Grace, Stories of God's Love from Today's Most Popular Writers, which is a book of essays and photographs that... Um, that she compiled and edited. Hopefully I got that right. Don, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. What I'd like to do just right out of the gate is get the scoop on on this book. And and I'm going to call it a beautiful book because I got the hard copy. And it really is a gorgeous book between the photography and the writing that's, that's in there. Tell us about it. Well, The Beauty of Grace is a compilation. It is 51 stories on the theme of faith. There are 43 contributors to it, and I organized it in a way where it's just kind of a a progression through the Christian faith, if you want to look at it that way. So it's in seven categories, and it starts out with purpose, and it goes through surrender, trust, lessons learned, hope and encouragement, and then it wraps up with a category called worship. And so it's just great writers and that's the summary of it. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> so how do you envision 
the reader is going to experience this book. And I, I kind of described it as before we came on as like a coffee table book, but that almost seems like a pejorative. If you don't know what that means, people who are listening, then look it up. There's, <laughs> there's a J in it. Um, but in that, for, from my experience, as I read it, I could imagine this is something that I would have sitting out. And as somebody came into my house, they would pick it up and they would read it and go, wow. And it would speak into their lives. But I wonder, as you are pulling these essays, these stories together, um, how are you envisioning the reader experiencing this book? I, I hope that when somebody sits down and they reads these story, read these stories, that they can really connect with these women. And there's one man in there too, Seth Haynes. I love Seth. Um, we homeschool, and I have said for years, and this sounds really awful, um, that I don't want to read about somebody's perfect homeschool day because I guess it makes me feel re really bad about myself, like <laughs> I'm doing a lousy job. And so these are not, you know, just a bunch of stories of somebody's perfect day. They are really real stories. They're relatable stories. And um, the people who've written these stories, these writers, have a gift for looking at their day-to-day -day life and seeing God in the picture. And I think that that helps people when you can see God in that every day and you can filter your experiences through that lens and show that to people. And so that's what the stories in this book do. It's a good way to see God moving in your life because I think people relate to it that way. You know, in, in my experience reading it, because I read a lot. What I found is I almost wanted to take more time reading this and to relish each of the stories kind of in in and of themselves, because they're, you know, they're about five minute reads, um, depending on your reading pace. You know, if it mm -hmm. was my five-year-old, six-year-old, it, it would be a couple of days. But, um, <laughs> but one story that, uh, that I read um, probably about a third of the way through the book, and, I, and forgive me, I cannot remember the name of the writer, but she was talking about the birth of her daughter and it, uh, who was oh, premature. Yes, Kayla Amy. Yes, and when, uh, when I read that, first of all, I started to cry, and so the guy uh -huh. next to me thought there was something really wrong with me. <laughs> Which there is. Um, but um, all I could think was, because I, I, I do audiobooks, I was like, I want to read this story. I want to I share this with the audience. But then I found other stories where I'm like, I want to read this story. I want to share uh -huh. this with the audience. Because there's just, there's a personal nature to these stories yeah. that draws you in. And, you know, we've interviewed a number of these folks, uh, whether it's um, Bonnie Gray, uh, Jessica Turner's interviews uh, was just released, Emily Freeman, probably one of my favorite all-time interviews. Uh, these are people that connect immediately with folks. And mm -hmm. so, and me, me having said all this, the question I, uh, the next question I have for you is, so there's these beautiful essays, you've structured it around these themes so how do you pull all this stuff together? How are you finding these stories? Are you asking for them? Did you discover them and ask to use them? How, how does that work? Well, it's it kind of, I just turned in the second book, which will be the same way on friendship. And it really turned out that the process was a little bit different between the first and second time. But um, so I turned in this proposal to my literary agent, shipped it out to publishers. And so I had a list on there of people who are possible people who could be included because if you don't actually have a book contract and you don't technically have a book, once the publishers got it, 
you know, there were people asking questions immediately. Well, who can you guarantee that you can get? Because I had this lovely list and they wanted to know, can you deliver on this list? And so I went into a frantic making phone calls, sending emails, you know, texting kind of thing for a week. And I had, I think about 25 people committed within a week. Wow. Yeah. So then what we had to do was actually figure out what to use from those people. Usually I went look at myself and pick things out because I guess I had more of a feel for what I was looking for. And like you said about the way that you reacted to Kayla Amy's story, um, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something where you got you know, a physical response to it. You know, you're, you're crying or you're laughing. If I get, if I read something and I got that, that cry response and maybe I have a very sensitive cry trigger, I don't know, but if I, <laughs> if I started to tear up and cry, um, that was kind of what I was looking for. And, um, then uh, you mentioned Jessica Turner. When I got down toward the end and I was trying to hit our, our numbers on how many stories we were looking for, kind of, we started at 40 to 45 and then we went 45 to 50. We ended up at 51. But um, when we're looking for that number, Jessica emailed me one day and she said, how are you coming on your numbers? And, you know, tell me exactly what you're looking for and I'll put it on there and see you know, if there's anybody that's got something that's interested and they can send it to you. And the story you mentioned from Kayla Amy, she was one of the people who contacted wow. me. Yeah. So, and actually two of my favorite stories in the book were two people that I got from the people that Jessica told. So it was really interesting because as the book went on, I discovered new people and things like that also. And so with the second one that I've done too, sometimes it's referrals and Anyway, so that's the process. And I would love to say that I had these categories all laid out in advance and I went, oh, I'm going to look for so many and this and that. But I can't seem to look at them that way until we get down to the end. So anyway, that was the way it went. And and it's kind of tricky kind of balancing them because you don't want categories with three and categories with eight. Absolutely. But um, somehow it's just... It's worked itself out nicely without me kind of being intentional about that in advance. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't remind folks that this isn't just a book of stories. It's a, there's also photography that's involved. You are a photographer. So uh, are all the photographs in the book yours? Yes, yes. And, you know, the thing that's been so funny about that is um, my friends, my day-to-day -day friends that know me and know that I take pictures and I always have a camera I keep getting this response where they somehow didn't think the cover the cover photo was mine or something. They go, oh, that's your picture on the cover? And I want to go, you know this is me. Why would it be somebody else's <laughs> on the cover? Why is that surprising to you? But anyway, um, yes, so the pictures, the pictures are mine. When I first got my first, as I call it, my first big girl camera, <laughs> um, I think that, that I had this idea that maybe I was going to be like a portrait photographer, or family photographer. Right. And maybe my husband did too. You know, I had this investment in this camera, and then it just... That just was not comfortable. And then a year and a half later, I upgraded the camera. So I have like a serious professional camera. And there was somebody on their blog, it may have been Michael and Smith, who was having people, she put out a challenge about write about something, 
something about what you're doing, your dream, something. And there's um, there's different bloggers that have gotten nice cameras because they wanted to have nice pictures on their blog. Right. And in the process, discovered that they really had a gift for photography and have turned it into a business like that. They've become portrait photographers or wedding photographers or family photographers. And so when this challenge went out there like that, and I read it and I thought, that's exactly how I don't feel about photography, about the business. It just, it just was not a personality fit to, to have that kind of a business. And I think it was kind of this, oh my gosh, this is really not what I want to do. And then I thought, oh no, so I'll never make money off of, the, right. off of doing anything. I've got this big investment. I really want to take pictures of what I want to take pictures of. I don't know. And a lot of those people that started doing that opened these business, businesses and they quit blogging. And so I kept thinking, well, I've got this investment. I'm not doing anything with these pictures that anybody's wanting to hire you to do it. So I feel like, though, that ultimately that's a fit for this kind of book because those are the kind of things I take pictures of, things in God's creation. That's a great representation of kind of an artist's perspective. So one of the things that dawned on me as you were describing kind of your introduction to photography, where you thought you were going to go professionally and then where you ended up artistically, is my photography experience was uh, starting out as a newspaper photographer in high school. Not for the high school paper, but for the actual town paper. I was awful. Huh? I was awful at oh. it. Couldn't frame a photo. Uh, I would take 60 60. Photographs and my editor would say, um, I can use maybe this one. But, you know, <laughs> when you're taking ph photographs of girls playing volleyball, you know, you got to make sure that you understand where the ground is and um, that you're focused <laughs> on the right parts, you know, uh, of the game. So uh, I was a high school student. So, you know, there you Here. go. Doing artistic in interpretation of volleyball instead of for the paper. Gosh, I wish I could say that was it. It was more like I didn't bother to figure out, you know, a parallel line with the ground. There was just a whole bunch of things that I broke. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a, a nice Minolta camera. I was so excited. You know, uh -huh. this is 86. So, you know, my parents spent 500 bucks on a camera, which was a lot. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, you know, it's kind of funny because we had an event that we went to years ago and, um, I saw the the county newspaper photographer come in, and I was a little bit jealous. She came in. She had all her stuff. She was all put together. She got to walk around and go where she wanted to go, and I had this moment of serious photographer envy. Right. And, and then, and I was shooting it at the same time, and um, we have a group that my kids were singing with, and they were performing, and there's a, a young man who teaches classes, and he also plays the bagpipes and I got some really cool pictures of him and then there was this moment when this little boy comes up he's with um, a man in the military and it was a, a boy scout and they were doing the thing he's saluting him and they've got the flag and everything and it was this moment of just hero worship on this little boy's face yeah. and there were these two photos that I got and I totally edited them to look like what I wanted like I I mean, I did some, not editing the people, but I did where to, you know, I'm dodging and burning, putting the light where I'm wanting it, making it dark where I don't want you to look. You know, I'm manipulating the viewer, whether they would realize it or not. And then I saw the pictures online 
that the newspaper photographer took. And I looked and, you know, when, like you're talking about, when you're a newspaper photographer or something like that, it's just the facts, ma'am. It's not your artistic interpretation. It's exactly what it is. And I looked at those pictures and I looked at the ones I took and I thought, you know, I'm okay with this. I think that's a great, that's a great perspective because it makes me think of artists in other mediums. A lot of times we on the, let's call it the hobby side, not to diminish it, but those of us who are on the the hobby side, we're not trying to make a living at it, um, have a certain freedom that somebody on the professional side just can't have because they're trying to earn a living. But but we on this side will look and go, man, wouldn't it be great if we made a living doing that? And Mm. then them on the other side, they're going, I wish that I had the freedom to to really flex my artistic chops. And then there is this percentage of people that is so minute that can do both. They're both professional and they're paid to pursue what they're passionate about. And I think that's, you know, that's marvelous. I'm sure that you as a photographer would would agree if I said, if you could take um, the photography that you do and actually make a, you know, a living, feed the family, buy a house, you would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, a couple more photography questions. I'm enjoying this. Um, So you were talking about gear there, and uh, sometimes we like to talk about gear. Um, Would you tell us a bit about the the camera you use, uh, any particular lenses or software that you you engage with in case people are interested in that? Yes. um, I've got a Nikon D700, and I do not believe Nikon makes that camera anymore. But I'm sure you can still buy it online. It's it's not a cheap camera. It's a good camera and called a full-frame camera. When I got that camera, I thought, well, that was before I had this revelation of what I did and didn't want to do as a photographer. And I thought, well, if I'm going to upgrade, I want to get the camera that I could do anything with. I could shoot a wedding in low light or I could do whatever. So um, when I first got the camera, I upgraded it. I had this nice, awesome camera. I was using nothing but my little cheapo 50 millimeter lens, which it's the cheapest lens. But if I had to only have one lens, that would be the one lens I picked. It's like a $120 lens. Just a, have got a 50 millimeter um, F1.8. And then I had a zoom lens, once again, a cheap zoom lens um, that's good for sports and stuff. But if you're inside, you know, it's completely worthless. Right. And so, you know, my husband was like, you've got this camera and you don't have anything you can use with it. And I said, but the camera's worth it. The camera's worth it. And so, um, I eventually, I've got another lens that's once again, a cheap lens I got for about a hundred dollars used cause they don't make them anymore off of Amazon. And, um, I got a macro lens and that is, oh my goodness. Uh-huh. I had I had said for a long time, I felt like the whole world would be more fascinating through a macro lens, and it is. And so (laughs) that was my big thing that I wanted. So I love the macro lens. I know sometimes I go out to shoot, and I've got a big bag and stuff that I carry around, and that's great, but I really don't want to carry all that around necessarily. So sometimes if I go out and I'm going to take a walk and shoot, I say, okay, one lens, and go see what you find. And I'm more likely, I think, to use the macro lens, although even though I've had it close to two years, it still it still gets the best of me sometimes because I'll want to get in there just as, as tight and I'll get such a narrow depth of field, such a small amount of that picture in focus 
that, you know, it's all that dreamy blur in the background, right. but I'm thinking, man, there's just a minute speck here that's in focus. But that's, that's fun. It's because you can look at something on the back of your camera and it looks really great. And then you bring it in the software and go, oh boy. So yeah. Oh, and software. So speaking <laughs> nice of transition. Software, there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yes about that. I use, um, Adobe Photoshop Lightroom software. So um, it's not Photoshop, Photoshop. It's by Adobe, but it's Lightroom. And um, I'm actually one of the most surreal sort of things in my life. I have a photographer profile on Lightroom. So that's kind of cool. Like the pictures that are on it are so old of mine. And it was back when I had, when they found me, that was kind of interesting because Oh my gosh, you talk about freaking out when you get <laughs> contacted by Adobe's PR people saying, we would like to feature you on Adobe's website for the software. And this was back during the period, the pictures that they used was, you know, me shooting. One of them is in my entrance hall and it's funny, I'd have people going, what kind of lighting is this and all? And I'm thinking um, the light in the ceiling <laughs> in my entrance hall, you know, but um they like the pictures and it's it's pretty exciting. So that's what I use. I love Lightroom and it keeps getting better every time they upgrade it. Um, I'll shoot stuff into Photoshop sometimes. Um, I shoot it over if I add text to it or something like that. I do on my blog, I do a desktop wallpaper every month that people can download. So I'll take you know the picture of it into Photoshop and add a, a verse to it and a calendar and things like that. But yes, I love Lightroom. You know, I just pulled up the case study while we, while you were talking because I was listening and multitasking. Jessica Turner can tell <laughs> you about that. Um, and uh, so I brought up your case study page, and oh, there's you just found it. Yeah. yeah, and there's just uh, the the first thing I see is this stunning photograph of a, a young woman with uh, blue eyes, a little girl there. Um, yes, that's my daughter who's eleven now. She was younger then. We had oh my goodness that picture. To me, that picture is like the start of so many things. We had been to the pool that day and we came home and my little girls, now they're nine and 11, but at the time in that picture, I think she's like, I don't know, four or five or something like that. My older one of the two, um, they're my two youngest, but anyway, she was in the bathtub getting cleaned up after the pool. And I just took, you know, this headshot of her and it was a serious photography days where I carried around Scott Kelby's digital photography books in my backpack, yeah. you know, my, my camera backpack and all. And um, I had read something that he'd said where he was talking about all the rules and they're talking about things like blowing out your highlights where, you know, if you pull up the picture and you set it where you can see where you've blown out the highlights, like areas where there is areas that if you printed them would be completely white, like there would be absolutely no detail there. You know, you've seen things that are very blown out and try to avoid blowing those highlights. Right. And he went through all these different rules, but then he got to a point where he was talking about that once you understand all those rules, that it's okay to break them sometimes. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yes. And so I had, at that time, I had a photo blog. Since then, I've incorporated it into my regular blog years ago. But um, I posted that picture. When I pulled it up into software, it showed total blown highlights. I mean, my daughter is there in the middle, and there's so much white around the sides. 
Scott Kelby says, you know, that, that it's okay to break the rules after you know them. And I know that this picture has all kinds of blown highlights, but I really like it. And so I posted this on my photo blog. And I still to this day do not know how in the world, because I didn't link to Scott Kelby. I only had his name in there. Um, and if your audience doesn't know Scott Kelby, he is the head of um, Kelby One, and he is the number one best-selling um, technical and however it's worded author in the world, multiple years straight, all kinds of Photoshop and photography books. But um, about two hours after I posted this photo, he left a comment on wow. my photo blog saying something about, you know, you're absolutely right. It's a beautiful photo, whatever. And I saw it and literally, I mean, I think I was practically hyperventilating. Oh, I'm sure. I was going, Scott Kelby commented on my photo blog and I'm totally freaking out. And so um, it kind of, what it led to is what it did is it gave me his email address. Cause you know, when you <laughs> leave a, a comment on a website, you've got your email address in there. It doesn't publish it to people. But a few months later, I'm driving my kids to like band camp in the morning and I had been looking at the brochure for Photoshop World and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this would be so awesome. And my husband, I called him and I said, what do you think about this? This is what I should do. And my husband is so awesome. My husband never looks at any crazy idea I have and says, yeah, that's crazy. He <laughs> just supports me in everything. That's fantastic. Um, uh, in the introduction or in the dedication to my book, it says, it's right here, for Brian, who lets me dream big and believes in me, you empower me. He sort of is my enabler. He, you know, he, he, he supports me in everything. So he said, yeah, you go for it. That's a great idea. And so I emailed Scott Kelby because I had his email address then. And I said, this is what I would love to do. And do you know of any companies that you would think would, you know, sponsor someone like this? I look at it now and I'm like, man, was I completely crazy that I just emailed and asked this? But it was the idea I had. And he said, he, I don't remember what ideas he gave me, but he said, if you can get yourself there, I will personally sponsor you to go to the conference. Wow. And which is several hundred dollars. Yes. And um, he had read my blog. I'd had a prayer request for a neighbor of ours. He said, I'm praying for your neighbor. Wow. I mean, he had gone on. It was the coolest thing. And I ended up getting sponsored and going. Now I've been five or six times, multiple times. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> so now I'm a product evangelist for them. But I feel like that kind of so many things kind of started with that picture. Yes. And then it ended up when when I was contacted about being on the Adobe Lightroom software, they had already picked the pictures and that was one of the ones that they had picked. And that was before was a product evangelist and all. So I kind of loved knowing that it really didn't have anything to do with any connection of anything else. And they actually found me somehow through Twitter, I guess that I had said something about how much I loved Lightroom or something right. on Twitter at some point, And that's what led them to my blog. And then they found the pictures and asked me. So if you ever people listening doubted that God works in wonderful and uh, unique <laughs> creative ways, uh -huh. this is a fantastic story about how he is a great orchestrator 
regardless of what your endeavors are. You keep him at the forefront and then look at the wonderful things he does. It's a great story. Thank you. No, thank you. Now, we're, we've been on here for longer than we anticipated, which is pretty <laughs> typical for me. But um, I, I want to go ahead and wrap up because I want to make sure I get to share this with folks. A couple quick questions for you to wrap up. First thing, what, uh, what art is currently inspiring you, whether it is in the realm of photography, whether it's music, books, movies? Um, what currently is inspiring the work that you do? I just turned in the second book. It'll be called The Gift of Friendship that comes up after um, The Beauty of Grace. And I have been listening kind of like you get in that zone where you can't be distracted. I need something to listen to, but I need something. I don't know. Anyway, however to put it. Um, in December, I was listening just constantly to Ellie Holcomb. Yes. I really, really love her, and I met her. I saw when she and Ann Voskamp and Amina Brown were on the tour for The Greatest Christmas. They were here in Atlanta. I was listening to um, three of her CDs just constantly in December, and I had this kind of mild crisis, faith crisis going on with an issue. And she just totally, I feel like that she was holding my hand through it. I mean, I would, I would listen to her all the time. I would wake up with those songs in my head and her husband, Drew Holcomb has a group, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and they have a new album called Medicine. And oh my goodness, I have listened to that continuously to where it would be worn out if it were an album to where my family is going, are you not getting tired of this? <laughs> and I'm saying, no, no, I'm not. And when I was on that home stretch, you know, writing the introduction, writing all this stuff at the end with the book, I would turn on something else and I would get distracted and I would go back and I would start that over again and again. And so my family does love it too, although they're wondering about me getting burned out because my daughter and I were in the car last night and I was listening to a podcast or something else. And she said, can we listen to the Drew Holcomb album? And I'm like, yes, I knew I wasn't the only one who was loving this. <laughs> I've got a son that's off in college in Oxford, Mississippi. And he, he saw them um, recently, two or three weeks ago on their tour. And he was texting me little video clips and stuff. And I like their other albums too, but that's who I've been listening to right now. And um, last couple of movies that we've seen that I really enjoyed. I guess Disney did both of them. Um, McFarlane USA is really great about the cross country team. It was so inspiring because it's based on a true story too. And it is appropriate for any age group, I would think, any age. Loved that. And then um, my daughter and I saw a screening of the new Cinderella movie right. last night, and that was very, very sweet. I love that. Um, our oldest son, when he was little, um, the cartoon of it came out. We had the old VHS tape of it when oh, it yeah. came out, and he wore that out. We are big movie buffs around here, and sometimes I've seen some stuff lately that's really kind of disturbed me, but those two movies were really good. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you sharing those. Now, I want to make sure people remember one of the main things we we're talking about today is is the beauty of grace was uh, just published last month, I believe. Yes, February third. And I want to encourage you folks, um, you can go out on Baker Books and purchase it. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere, but uh, get yes. it in some form or another. <laughs> I would suggest personally 
you pick up the physical version because it's a hardbound book. It feels good in your hands and uh, it's easier to share with people, although they should get their own copy. Let's be honest with you. All right. <laughs> um, so, uh, Don, if folks want to engage with you, want to know more about what you're working on, stay up to date on your photography, whatever you're writing, what's the best place to do that? Um, my blog, it has a long address. It's my home, sweet home online. Dot net. I'll share um, the link with folks. So you, you, know, you can cl <laughs> click on it and you don't have to memorize it. <laughs> Just dawncamp.com is the book page. It goes straight to information about the book. It's a page on my blog, but it goes to the book page and it's got a list of all the contributors and different places that you can buy it and these lovely graphics that um, Ravel put together um, for each of the contributors and stories. So that's on there too. And I'm on Twitter at Dawn, M-H-S-H, My Home Sweet Home, if gotcha. that helps. That's the blog name. Don, thanks for sharing those. We're actually going to include those links uh, to all those places, all your social media, uh, right in the show notes. So if you're listening, folks, and you're not driving, go ahead and, and navigate over there. And that way you can see what else Don's working on. And so there's 43 contributors, 51 stories, a whole world of other artists and writers for you to discover. Anyway, Don, thank you so much for spending uh, the morning with us because we've been on here for, gosh, over an hour now. So <laughs> um, it's been a lot of fun. Love uh, hearing about what you're passionate about and can't wait to share this with folks. Okay. Thank you. Take care, Don. Bye. Okay. You too. Bye. And there you go, our fun interview with Don Camp. We hope you enjoyed it as, as much as uh, I did interviewing Don. And I hope there were some good takeaways for you in that conversation. Uh, certainly want to encourage you, hop over to Don's website, click on the link that we've provided in the show notes, and head over to Amazon. You can pick up a copy of that book. It might even be on sale right now. I know that the publisher, Ravel, has been having a $1.99 ebook sale, so something to check out. And now, as promised, just a, a couple of words about uh, the International Songwriting Competition giveaway that we're doing. What we want to do, and it's not a huge giveaway, but something that you might appreciate, if, if you're an aspiring songwriter or you've got a song that you um, really think is special and want to want to share that, um, we're going to go ahead and pay for your entry for that song. So all you have to do is just look in the bottom in the show notes. There's a place you can click, and it'll take you over and give you a few different ways to enter. We'll run it for about 10 days, and then we'll select one, and we'll go ahead and pay for the entry for one person's song to be entered into that contest. There's some there's some great judges coming out of the Christian realm, including one of my favorites, Matt Marr, but also Casting Crowns and Hawk Nelson. So I want to encourage you, you know, even if you don't win the giveaway, if you've got a song that you feel like is really special, then we encourage you to hop on over to the site. We'll provide a link for you and go ahead and enter that because who knows what God has intended for that music that you've written. Anyway, guys, we're glad that you tuned in this week to the Amped interview. Look forward to chatting with you again. We've got some great stuff coming down the line. In fact, Dan and I have already recorded, I think, three or four interviews that, we're just, that we just have waiting in the queue to share with you. So have a great summer, and we'll chat with you again very soon. Take care. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm. Frequency.fm.